you're just like on a high basically, I guess. And um, it was just really nice to be able to get up and walk afterwards because I didn't have that opportunity with Jack's pregnancy. You know, I'm stuck to the bed. And I remember when we changed rooms, I was in a wheelchair trying to get, you know, over. And it was just so, it really helped my recovery being able to get up and walk after that, especially with all that back labor. I needed to walk. My muscles needed to stretch. They needed to, you know, get back in sync. My body was able to, to get back to its normal self so much faster this time because I had the home birth. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Midwives are great, but OBs are definitely better when it comes to diagnostics and testing, right? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 165 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking to Hannah White, a sweet, sentimental mama who switched to midwifery care later on in her second pregnancy. And she was shocked to find out that her midwife was more thorough in keeping up with her health than even her obstetrician had been. Now, before we dive into an amazing episode, I want to share a quick little tidbit with you. One of my favorite parts, and I mean favorite, of creating Happy Home Birth and Happy Home Birth Academy is receiving messages from you telling me how listening to this podcast changed the way that you view birth and it changed your birthing experience. And that's from my free Anyone Can Access It podcast. Now, If you're gaining so much from this, I want you to just imagine how prepared and grounded you're going to feel walking into birth after you complete Happy Home Birth Academy. HHA is designed so that once you've joyfully completed its contents, you'll be feeling both excited and peaceful regarding your upcoming home birth. You'll see yourself as the powerful mother that you already are, and you and your partner will be awaiting the first meeting of your new baby, feeling connected and thoroughly prepared for what's to come, however it unfolds. Full of understanding as to how your body and baby will function together and completely rid of the unnecessary fears and what-ifs. You'll be seeing your labor and childbirth as the God-given gift that it is, knowing that you're ready for whatever awe-inspiring scenario awaits you. I can't wait for you to join me. Click the link in the show notes or head to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash HHA to start your journey with me today. And I'd also love to take just a moment to thank this week's reviewer of the week, Childs 100 who wrote, Positive and Empowering. I am so glad I found the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I have loved every episode that I've listened to. I'm looking forward to using some of the advice and encouragement in my second home birth that will take place anytime now. Thanks. Thank you, Childs 100 so much for leaving a review. If you'd email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I'd love to send you a Happy Home Birth Podcast sticker. And if you're receiving benefit from this show, would you take just a couple of minutes to head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening, and leave a quick rating and review? 
It helps so much when it comes to having other people find out and learn about the podcast. When you leave consistent ratings and reviews, they just pump the podcast out to more people. More people see it as a recommendation and more people learn about the beauty of home birth. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. All right, let's go ahead and head into this incredible episode. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And the show is not medical advice, it's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Hannah, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. I am super excited to have you. I'm so excited to get into your two birth stories, but before we go there, would you take a moment to just introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, of course. So my name's Hannah White and I am actually uh, from Kentucky. I live in Bowling Green and I have two sons, Jack and Brooks. Uh, Jack was a regular hospital birth and with Brooks, uh, we decided to do a little bit different route and we had a home birth. Oh, I'm always so excited to hear how that change was made. That's, it's such an interesting unfolding of events. Yes. It seems. Well, so then I'd love to hear about that first pregnancy. What was that like? And, and how did that labor unfold? Yeah. So with my first pregnancy with Jack, our oldest, um, he's almost three and I had like the regular OB visits like prior to having him. And, you know, during my pregnancy, of course, um, my doctor picked up on the yeah. fact that I wasn't really ovulating. So we thought that I was, I had PCOS and so we did some blood work and come to find out um, I wasn't ovulating according to the records. So then I got pregnant really easily after that because I was like, oh, I don't need any sort of contraceptive. Um, got, <laughs> pregnant very, <laughs> got pregnant very easily. We were all kind of shocked, um, but also excited, of course. So um, and then after that, um, we got pregnant again, super quick. Like as soon as I got off, you know, I had a marina, I got took, got it taken out and and uh, got pregnant very easily again. So we were like, ah, we don't have, P I don't have PCOS. So with Jack, um, my pregnancy was great. Everything was super easy. Didn't have any complications or issues. After I got my membrane stripped, my water broke naturally at home as naturally as, you know, you're getting your membrane stripped is, but I had a long labor because of that, because it, my body just wasn't ready. You know, um, it wasn't natural, I guess. So I, it was really frustrating because I sat in the hospital forever and you know how it is. You, you're, you're bed bound. You can't get up. You can't walk around. You can't do those things that you can do during a home birth. So it was a little bit frustrating, um, for me in that sense, because I sat there and waited and waited and, um, finally started Pitocin because I wasn't going anywhere. Um, and then I had to start an epidural, uh, which was strongly encouraged. And I felt like if I didn't do it now, I couldn't do it, you know, in 30 minutes. So it was like kind of pressured, um, to get the epidural, which was fine, but it only worked on half my body. So I should have just not even done it at all, but it is what it is. And, um, finally after about 18 hours or so, um, I, I had to get an episiotomy by my OB. Yeah. So that was a little bit frustrating and I wasn't really told why, or, you know, no one explained to me why that was done. And it wasn't until months later that I started questioning it and wondering like, why was this necessary? Why did I have to do this? Um, that was the most labor really. And the epidural not working on half my body. So I should have just not done it at all. Um, and then, um, Fast forward to whenever I got pregnant with Brooks, which uh, was, you know, March of this year. And 
everything was going well, still seeing the OB, everything. I thought, you know, kind of May and June, July, everybody thought all the COVID stuff was kind of coming back down. Everybody was like kind of acting normal again. Oh, yeah, normal life. Yes, yes. And everybody, you know, I thought maybe my mom could be in the hospital with me. And I thought, you know, everything was going to go smooth. Well, then August, you know, everything just blew up again. I got a little nervous about everything. So I, you know, I had two friends that did home births last year and they're actually really close friends of mine. So I started talking to them, asking them questions. Um, my husband and I met with a midwife in, um, she's about an hour away from here, um, met with her. Uh, we, we really liked her. And then I found out there was a midwife like 10 minutes from me. That was a new midwife. She had just started the beginning of this year being on her own. She shadowed with the other said midwife. So met with Jennifer and it's kind of funny because my husband and my father-in-law have like a property company. They flip houses and they have some rentals and stuff. Well, he, my husband and my father-in-law bought this lake house, which is about two hours away. Um, anyway, so we were scheduled to meet with Jennifer one day. She had a birth, so she obviously had to cancel. And then my husband was at the, the lake house trying to get it all ready um, during the time of our second meeting. So my mom went with me instead of my husband. And my mom and I both left and we were like, we feel like we've known her for years. Like she just was so personable and just so welcoming and just put me at ease. And we both were like, she's the route to go. I didn't even have to talk to my husband. Like he trusts me anyway. He was like, whatever you want to do, this is your, your decision. I support you. I'm there for you, which is, you know, obviously wonderful. Um, but yeah, it was kind of funny because he didn't get to go. So my mom went with me, um, which actually worked out well because we decided to do our home birth at my parents house oh okay my yeah our house um we just downsized because we're actually in the process of building a house on my parents farm Mm -hmm. um which is like really sentimental because it's been in our family for over 100 years and ironically my grandfather brooks's great-grandfather was born on the farm just (laughs) like he he was so i feel like Yeah. And it, I mean, if you ask my husband, like a one to 10, how sentimental I am, I'm like a 12. Right. <laughs> so it was just like perfect. Um, so anyway, we, we downsized, like I said, so our house is um, kind of small. And if, if we had like the midwife and my doula and the assistants and, you know, my husband and I, it was just a lot. So it was nice to be able to be out there and have a little bit more space and room. And then we got to have Jack got to stay here with my in-laws and kind of keep his routine and schedule of what he was used to. So it worked out. Oh, Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yes. So, um, but yeah, so I met with Jennifer and then my, uh, my husband was working on this lake house, which is two hours away. Like I said, there's like hardly any cell service and there's no internet as as of that time. So I was so paranoid. He was going back and forth to work on this lake house. I was so paranoid. I was going to go into labor and couldn't get a hold of him. Cause how far, so this was, this was for a while that he was working on that. Well, he was like coming back and forth. He would go like two or three days at a time. Cause it was just a lot to drive back and forth every day. Right. So I was like, so paranoid. I'm like, I'm going to go into labor and I'm not going to be able to get a hold of you. (laughs) So after about 37 weeks, he stopped going (laughs) or if he went, it was just a day trip. So, um, but that's just, you know, something else to add to our story. That was, you know, a little (laughs) bit stressful, but makes for a laugh now. Cause he was there. He made it all good. But yeah, so um, I met with Jennifer, we switched over to OB care. um, And I mentioned earlier that, you know, we thought we had had PCOS. Well, then we kind of dismissed it because I got pregnant so quickly. 
Well, Jennifer was looking, Jennifer's my midwife. She was looking at all my hospital notes and doctor's records. And she sees that I had a cyst on my ovary. She's like, well, that's interesting. And then I told her the story about how we thought I had PCOS. And she's like, you know, let's check your sugar because, you know, people that have PCOS typically have high sugar. I said, oh, well, I've passed my glucose test at the hospital, you know, or at the doctor. I don't, I don't have gestational diabetes. And she checked it. And sure enough, it was high. It wasn't like alarmingly high, but it was, you know, cause for some concern. So for the last nine weeks of pregnancy, I did the whole finger prick every, you know, after every meal and the fasting in the morning and uh, really watched what I ate, like was very conscientious of what I was putting into my body. And, um, you know, before I'd, you know, see a chocolate bar or, you know, whatever, when you're pregnant, you're like, oh, I can have that. Uh, But little did I know that my sugar was high. So I think it really speaks out that midwifery care, they do the gestational diabetes test by pricking your finger and watching what you're actually eating, as opposed to a sugary drink that you never really would ever have. I don't drink anything hardly other than water or coffee. So, you know, it's just not necessarily, I guess, accurate uh, for most of us. And it's just something that I never would have ever thought of. And then another, yeah. And then another thing is uh, my hemoglobin was really low and she's like, you know, we need to get that up. If you're going to be having a home birth, you know, we obviously don't want you hemorrhaging or bleeding more than we need to. So I got on an iron supplement, bumped that right up, started eating some more red meat steaks, you know? So that was nice and got that back up. So that was a blessing too. like two things that I'd never known about my body. She picked up on in the first meeting that we had, which was yeah. two and a half hours, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was an intensive. We were trying to catch up. Yes. We had yes. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, you know, all of my OB visits from my first and second pregnancy didn't equal two and a half hours. Oh, <laughs> uh, I laugh, but that's frustrating to hear. But yeah, yes. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so you made this transition you did this. Are you saying that the, a lot of the reason that you decided to switch was because of the hospital setting and with COVID that people might not be able to come and things like that? Yes, that was one of my main reasons, but also I had always kind of had in the back of my mind, especially since my two friends had done home births. I thought, you know, that's so cool. That's awesome. Like, I wish I could do that. I don't think I could ever do that, but then it was kind of like a challenge to myself. Like I can do this. I can do it. I have a great support system. My first pregnancy, my first delivery, everything, you know, went well aside from, you know, a couple little things, but nothing serious. And I was like, I can do this. I'm going to do it. And I just Mm kind of like turned my mentality to that. But yes, of course, the whole hospital restrictions and like the COVID outbreaks were a huge factor into it as well. I had two friends and I guess our hometown, there's two hospitals, but only one where you can give birth. So there's really no choices or options unless you were to go to Nashville, which is about an hour away. But whenever you're in labor, an hour is a long time to travel in a car and you oh may not gosh. make it. Yeah. So, and just a nightmare for, ugh, I would not yeah, want to. Yeah. You don't want to be riding a car. car no, 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 no. <laughs> so I was like, you know, this is just a great opportunity to look into midwifery care. And I'm so blessed and so thankful that we did. So I love oh, that. Yeah. I love how you said that you were like, oh, I, that's a cool idea, but I can't do that. But it changed from that's cool. I can't do that to like, wait, why can't I do that? <laughs> I could do that. 
<laughs> yes. And I also had a couple friends that had to wear masks during labor at our hospital. Oh. And I was like, I, you can't even breathe on a normal day in labor without right. a mask. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm just, and that was kind of like, that sealed the deal for me. That's a no for me, dog. Yeah. So with your first birth, it sounds like it was a really intense experience. Looking back, did you feel that way immediately afterwards or were you pretty satisfied with your experience? I think it was, you know, of course, after you have a baby, you're on a high, you're like, you know, on cloud nine, of course. So I think it was something I really thought of like maybe six months after um, when I really got to thinking about the episiotomy, the epidural not working, then pushing Pitocin on me. Um, but I really should have, if I revert back to that time, I should have never got my membrane stripped because it was 39 weeks. It wasn't like I was 42 weeks, you know, where that could have maybe, you know, helped me along 39 weeks. He wasn't ready yet. And that's why everything stalled and took longer and my body just wasn't ready. So, right. And especially with this one, you said you went to 41 weeks, right? Yes. I was, he was born uh, an hour shy of being 41 weeks. So, <laughs> yes. And I thought, you know, of course, when I hit that 39 week mark, I'm like, well, this is You're the day, good. you know, I went into labor 39 and two is whenever I had Jack and I'm like, you know, here it is. It came and went 40 weeks came and went. I met with Jennifer at like 40 and three, and it was actually, uh, my grandmother who's passed away it was her birthday. So I just like felt for sure I was going to have him on that day again, sentimental. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I was like, he's going to come on this day. We all thought it, the day came and went and John was like, <laughs> and, uh, you know, this was a couple weeks before Thanksgiving. And of course I've been watching my sugar. And I told Jennifer, I said, Jennifer, I want this baby out by Thanksgiving. Like I want to eat a good meal for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I need to party. Yes. She's like, if you're still pregnant at Thanksgiving. We, we can work it out. You can have some desserts and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not going to be pregnant at Thanksgiving. (laughs) So anyway, he decided to to make his appearance at 40 weeks and six days. Well, tell me about that. What was the end of that pregnancy and on into labor like for you? Yes. So he was born on the 13th of November and my prodromal labor started on the third. So I had about 10 days of that. Um, And, you know, every time I thought like this is it sit. And I mentioned earlier that we had our birth at my parents' house. So, you know, I text my mom and it was always late at night. It was like, you know, never really during the day. It was like 10, 11 o'clock at night. I'd be like, mom, having contractions. And like, looking back, I should have never done that because I'm sure she never slept any of those nights. (laughs) (laughs) It's Um, so exciting. It is. It is. So I'm like, oh, I'm having contractions. Maybe this is it. Um, But after like, maybe like the seventh day of that, I was like, when are you going to come? <laughs> um, but anyway, so like I said, I had prodromal labor. It was mainly late at night or in the middle of the night. And whenever I met with Jennifer, she was like, Hannah, I promise this is going to help you in the long run. It's going to help your labor. It's going to make everything smoother. She's like, it's a pain right now, but just know that, you know, it will be better in the long run. And I'm like, okay, kept, you know, trying to reassure myself of that. And then um, it was on Saturday, it was a Saturday that he was born. I went and uh, ran some errands, went to the grocery, went to Hobby Lobby, got some stuff. I was like, I'm going to have a fun weekend with Jack. We're going to make Christmas ornaments and, you know, do all the fun things. And then I get home and I'm like, I think these contractions are getting a little bit stronger. And like I mentioned, my 
parents live on a farm. So uh, my mom's like, let's go get in dad's truck and go on a ride on the farm. And like, they will bump <laughs> this baby out. So I'm like, okay, I'm down for anything at this point, you know? So I go out there and we're riding on the farm and I'm like, these are getting intense. These are, these are getting stronger. Uh, my husband ends up coming out there. We, we decide to go home because I th- still think I'm having prodromal labor. And this is about probably five o'clock. So six o'clock, they start coming a little bit more intense. And I'm like, okay, I maybe start timing these, but they're still, you know, consistent. And uh, Jennifer's role was the 411, you know, four minutes apart, one, lasting for one minute and lasting for an hour. And I wasn't anywhere near that yet. So I let her know what was going on. Also texted and called my doula, who's amazing. She's wonderful. Uh, let her know what was going on. And then I tell my parents like, Hey, I think, I think this might be it like for real this time. <laughs> you know, I'm like the boy that cried wolf. <laughs> I like told my mom like, Oh, uh, Hannah's at it again. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, we go out to my parents house around a little after seven probably. And, um, Hillary decides to come over like 8.30ish or so. She's like, just let me know. And I was like, I think they're getting a little bit more intense. And probably around like nine o'clock, she said, there was something that just shifted in your contraction. Like I could just tell. And I had had two like back to back. And so she said, I'm going to text Jennifer and let her know, like, we need to get going. She needs to come on over. <laughs> Cause you know, of course I didn't want her there too early with her assistance and everything. Cause you know, you hear of that stalling labor oh, yeah. and I'm like, if we're going, I want to keep on trucking. I don't want to stall anything. So she's like, I think she needs to come. And also what's really cool is that Hillary, my doula has assisted Jennifer in births before. Oh, so they work together. They know each other really well. And that was really nice to have that connection between the two of them. So uh, Jennifer says, I'm on my way. I'm coming. I see her message come up on my phone. Of course, I'm like kind of looking at it, kind of not. I'm, you know, having contractions and I had a lot of back labor this time, which I didn't have with Jack. So um, that was a little bit challenging, um, but we made it through. Jennifer walks through the door at 9:45. I mean, she no less puts her stuff down, doesn't even get her coat off, water breaks immediately. And my husband was joking afterwards and he's like, you're such a mental person that your body was literally holding on to that until she got there because you knew you had to have her there. And yep. I'm like, you're right. You're so right. That's me. I'm just like totally mental. So as soon as she walked through the door, like I said, water breaks and uh, she's like, all right, let's start filling up the tub. Cause you know, I'm feeling the urge to push of course, which is totally different than my first pregnancy because of having the person in the epidural, which it still didn't work on half my body, but still it was totally different feeling sensation than any of that. So my dad and my husband start filling up the pool with the hose attachment that goes to the shower. It busts. There is always, there's always some type of birth pool yeah. drama. I feel yeah. like, <laughs> and there's like water just spraying around oh, the bathroom. Oh and I'm like, I'm like, Oh no, I've got to push this baby out. Like, so my poor husband and my dad are filling up buckets and bowls and just pouring it in there. And then Jennifer's like, okay, you can get in. There's enough water. And, and so they're still just like pushing this water over me. And, uh, it, you know, at the moment I'm like kind of frustrated with them because I'm like, why didn't we try to figure this out before? But you know, it is what it is. Makes for a great story now. And obviously I'm laughing about it. Uh, wasn't really laughing at the time. <laughs> wasn't quite as funny then. I don't know. Wasn't quite as funny. <laughs> 
But anyway, we got all the water in there finally. And really, I was only in the pool for maybe like 30 minutes because he came at 1048. So it was a really fast labor. So anybody out there that's having the patronal labor, I feel you, it's awful, but just know that it really does help in the long run and it really does speed up the process. So, um, you know, it is frustrating, but. Oh, it's so frustrating. And it can feel like it's not doing anything when it so is like, that's what's that's what's so hard because it's like, oh, this isn't going anywhere, but it is still doing something inside of your body, whether it's repositioning the baby, whatever it is, it's doing something and it's there yeah, for yeah. a reason. It is. It is. You're right. And, you know, I would kind of time a couple of those contractions, but they were all over the place. But you're right. They do do something, even though they're not lasting for a minute or, you know, they're not four minutes apart or they're not lasting for an hour. They're still working. Right. So yeah. when you actually went to give birth, your, your water broke, you finally got into the birth pool. Uh, what was that? What was that sensation? Like you said, it was so different from the last time. Can you kind of describe what it felt like to you and how it happened? Yeah. So it was just so relaxing being in the water and just the warm water and just being, you know, at home because that's the house that I grew up in. And, yeah. you know, I consider it more of my home than this home right now, because I know this is temporary. Um, so that's kind of why we decided to choose that as well. Um, but it was just so relaxing. You know, the lights were dim. My mom is like the sweetest person in the world. She decorated, we did it in their basement and uh, she decorated the basement. She had Christmas lights, she had lights up on the ceiling. And it was just, it was perfect. Honestly, like it, it was absolutely perfect. Oh, that's amazing. And then, and you also gave birth in the water. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. well, so what was that like after the, those first few moments, once Brooks arrived, what was that like? And then what was that immediate postpartum? It was just, it was, you know, you have this rush of adrenaline and you're, you're so excited and you can't stop looking at him and you're, you're, you're just like on a high basically, I guess. And, um, it was just really nice to be able to get up and walk afterwards because I didn't have that opportunity with Jack's pregnancy, you know, I'm stuck to the bed. And I remember when we changed rooms, I was in a wheelchair trying to get, you know, over. And it was just so, it really helped my recovery being able to get up and walk after that, especially with all that back labor. I needed to walk. My muscles needed to stretch. They needed to, you know, get back and sink. My body was able to, to get back to its normal self so much faster this time because I had the home birth. That makes so much sense. Yeah. That, that totally checks out in my brain. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, the bed was a lot more comfortable too. So that helped. There's nobody poking and prodding you for hours on end. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's incredible. Well, so Hannah now, I mean, it's, it hasn't been a long time when we're having this interview since you've had your baby, but what have these few weeks been like? They have been wonderful. Um, you know, we have our oldest son, Jack, and, um, I'd mentioned to you earlier, he's been a little under the weather. Uh, so that's been a little challenging, but it's just seeing them together, just, you know, as you know, you've got multiples, it's just the sweetest thing. You know, it's adorable seeing siblings. I'm an only child, so I don't have any idea what that's like. So it's been like super touching to me to be able to see that and witness them be so close and, um, and Jack already like wanting to kiss and love on him. And we have, we have two dogs and he's like, no dogs, no touch, no touch. 
I love that. He's, he's a little already, protector. He's already a protector and uh, it's just awesome. Yep. I agree. I think that's one of the most, oh, most wonderful parts in my motherhood experience is seeing my two girls just interact with each other and love each other so deeply. You know, it's just such a deep love. And sometimes it's a slightly dangerous love. <laughs> I, yes, I can, I can attest to that. <laughs> but it is, it's so beautiful. Oh, Hannah, I love this. And as someone who is also incredibly sentimental, it's so nice to talk to someone who is the same way. Um, I just can't, I love that. I love the connection, the kind of full circle of your, was it your grandfather My you grandfather, said? yeah born in that house. And then now he, your son was born there. Just what a beautiful, Oh, that's just such a cool thing. And I wish that more people were able to have that experience and that story and kind of the history of yeah. that is just amazing. Yes. It, it was really, um, truly awesome. An awesome experience overall, choosing the mid midwife and my doula and switching from OB care, um, you know, I, I actually, my OB is awesome. He was super supportive of this. I do want to throw that out oh, there. Oh, that's great. Um, yes, he was very supportive and it's very much like whatever the mom's decision is, he's supportive of that. Mm. So um, he, he ended up telling me at my last visit, he's like, honestly, you're probably the best candidate for a home birth. And I was like, well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> that's the route I'm going. At my back. That's good. Yeah. yeah so. Oh, well, that's yeah. amazing, Hannah. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It was such an honor to have you on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. I really appreciate it. Wasn't that incredible? Hannah's story is so beautiful and so touching. And as we head into this week's episode roundup, I have a few points I wanted to go over. The first one is that I just, I love the historicity of Hannah's story. She was able to give birth on family land in the home that she grew up in and the same land where her grandfather was born. What a full circle experience and what a way that it should be, right? It should be so normal that we are being born in the same place that our family was being born or that others were being born for generations and generations, not in some cold, sterile hospital unless necessary. How, how wonderful if that were the norm. Next, where we are and who we're with during labor matters. Just ask Hannah's bag of waters. <laughs> this little tidbit Hannah gave shows just how much our subconscious mind can impact labor. Her body was quite literally holding on until her midwife arrived. And as soon as her midwife got there, as soon as Hannah felt safe, she released and so did her waters. And finally, let's end at the beginning. Midwives are great, but OBs are definitely better when it comes to diagnostics and testing, right? It comes as a surprise to many that midwives do indeed perform the same routine testing that one would receive with an OB, though sometimes even more effectively. When her midwife put together that Hannah had PCOS, she realized that her blood sugar could be affected, so she had her check her blood sugar directly instead of relying on the gestational diabetes glucola results alone. And what a wonderful difference that made for Hannah's health and pregnancy. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. 
Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.